guys, I'm Daniel. And I'm Frankie. And this is Propagated Podcast. Welcome, everybody. How are you doing this week, Frankie? I am doing well. Um, I had some alone time for the first time in a very long time, and so I like think I forgot how to speak. <laughs> but I spent the whole day hanging out with my plants, and I realized right before we started recording, I had a big swath of dirt on my cheek. <laughs> so it's you. been a good day. Yeah, it's that, been a good day. That sounds like it's been a good day. You gotta love getting <laughs> some dirty cheeks. Yeah, any day with dirt on some part of your body, it's a good day. <laughs> what about you? How are you? I'm doing well, uh, adjusting to this whole living with friends while my roommates are learning how to be parents thing. But other than that, you know. What are you going to tell me about today? Are you going to start us off today? I think I started last time. No, I definitely started last time. God damn it. I thought that would work. <laughs> You're trying uh, to get out of it, but I already know that the even number of episodes are you. <laughs> fine, Frankie. I mean, I can start if you want me to. But. Yeah, that's totally fine. Um, I'm going to be talking about vodka and potatoes and potatoes in true typical daniel fashion i have made it all about history this week again somehow (laughs) so y'all are just gonna have to bear with me it's cool i'm talking about apples and mine is like all over the place and some history and some weird stuff so we'll we'll get it through it (laughs) but yeah so vodka everybody knows about it Lots of people, lots of people drink it. It's the most purchased alcohol in the U.S., actually. I've never heard of it. What was it? What? Vod? Vodka? Vod, vodka? Vodka? <laughs> I don't know how to explain it to you. I'm sorry. I don't know anything about It's a clear liquid. <laughs> <laughs> it burns your tongue. You know what's the worst thing in the world? Have you ever done this where you're like, you reach for your glass of water and take a big swig and realize it's vodka and it's like the worst thing in the world? No, just I, me. I, I wanted to stand in solidarity with you there. If I'm, if I'm being honest, I don't keep random glasses. Okay, maybe I had too many like parties in, in college or whatever. But also I'm trashy as fuck and I just drink it straight out of the bottle if I'm going to drink it straight. So that too. That makes you feel a little better. <laughs> um, so yeah, so vodka comes from the Russian word voda, which is their word for water. And um, Mm. actually, a fun fact, this guy named Dmitry Mendeleev is the guy who actually formulated periodic law. Um, So he, like, pretty much made the classifications for all of the elements. Oh. It said that he is the person who took vodka from just being called grain wine to naming it actual vodka which i thought was kind of cool oh that is cool is famous for creating the periodic law but actually coined the modern naming of of vodka love it the origins of vodka are kind of hard to find because it's such a varied process you can make vodka out of practically anything when I was doing my research, I found a few different stories. The one that I'm going to use seems to be the most widely accepted, and that is that um, back in the 70s, the Soviet government hired historians to investigate 
where vodka came from and what, what it's like first distillation was and like all of that style of things. Mm-hmm. And they say that the, they found that the vodka was first produced by monks at the Chudov Monastery in the late 15th century. Ooh. And I don't know what it is about the monks, but they'd be out here drinking because they've come <laughs> yeah. up in both of my alcohol podcasts so far. Yeah, I feel like so much of alcohol, even beer too. I feel like beer came from a monastery. Yeah, but also that theory kind of gets discredited. Obviously, it benefits the Russian government to say that they created vodka instead of the Polish, who also claimed that they created vodka. Yeah. In all reality, it may have been invented as early as like the 900s, first century type hmm. beverage. And it would have been made in home stills back then. And it wasn't necessarily made for consumption in the, in the findings that they've had of vodka being made early. It was more as a disinfectant and a treatment for wounds. So it was more like rubbing alcohol. That makes sense. Than vodka in the earlier days. Still smells the same. Right? And then it was known <laughs> as a, a bread wine or burnt wine for forever. Burnt wine? Burnt wine. Huh. Yeah. Because it burns going down? <laughs> I mean, I would, that would make sense. I think it has to do with the distillation process, though. Oh, that makes sense. And then you have flavored vodkas like they would make their own home vodkas and then add like honey and herbs and botanical essences to make just out of the still vodka uh more palatable Mm -hmm. so those date all the way back to the 13th century which is crazy so vodka is Old, old old as fuck yeah so typically vodka is going to be distilled from wheat or rye but honestly, you can distill it from anything that will ferment, literally. And the mm. difference between the process with vodka and other alcohols has to do with the compilation period in the uh, distillation process. So it's like you do the liquefaction, liquefaction and mashing process, which is like what you do for almost every liquor, and then fermentation, and then distillation, and then they have this process with vodkas called rectification, which is basically like bringing it back in and like honing it down to a more pure state. Mm-hmm. And then they have compilation, which is like what differentiates it from a lot of other alcohols because they actually end up adding water back to it. Mm. And another weird little science fun fact is that vodka is one of the only liquors that actually uh, condenses when water is added to it. Huh. So if you take... 500 milliliters of water and 500 milliliters of pure vodka or pure alcohol and you mix them together, then you actually end up with 96% return instead of 100% return because it condenses when water's added to it, which is just a weird science fact. Oh, science is so cool. And then, of course, vodka also, like if you ever look at Grey Goose ads, are like 10 times distilled, whatever bullshit yeah. that they're spewing but that's also <laughs> the filtration system is uh laura is a huge portion of vodka as well that's what keeps it clear and tasty yeah i was gonna say like i i feel like someone once told me that to get like more purified vodka all you have to do is just put it through a brita filter a few times is is that true do you know anything about that i have i have heard that before but you know i honestly have never looked into we should try it. Science experiment. Yeah, we I'm should do it, it on Instagram Live or something. <laughs> I'm into it. 
pour vodka straight through a Brita filter? Uh, I will I will sacrifice my Brita filter for this. It's almost done anyways. <laughs> ah, it's at the end of its life anyways. Yeah. Into so it. then maybe it won't work. <laughs> <laughs> but Russian culture in general is like deeply intertwined with vodka. It has been, like I said, since potentially the first century. There was a article that I read and it was Peter Baker wrote it for the Washington Post and it was his quote is many Russians ascribe medicinal, almost supernatural qualities to vodkas. Parents soak cotton balls in vodka and dab them on children to bring down a fever, ease an earache. Vodka with pepper is prescribed for an adult cold. Vodka with salt is for an upset stomach. And there were even some nuclear scientists that drank it to protect themselves from radiation poisoning. Did it work? I don't think so. <laughs> but... <laughs> But when you're drunk on vodka, you might I was, think Yeah, it I was going to say, do you think that was just an excuse for them to get drunk? They were like, yeah, this is helping with the radiation <laughs> shots. <laughs> get drunk on the job. Make it seem a little bit less sketchy that I'm in direct contact with oh, radiation. poor things. But yeah, so Russian culture and vodka is crazy. I'm going to tell, tell you a little bit about like the early history of vodka in Russia. And then I'm going to not bore you anymore with the Russian history of vodka because I could literally write an entire dissertation on that. But um, so one of the coolest parts that I, well, not my well, I don't want to sound crass. I'm like, it's one of the coolest parts. One of the most interesting things that I found uh, when researching the history of Russian vodkas um, in the early 16th century, vodka was like hugely popular in Russia, like most of the population was drinking vodka at some point in the day. And at that point in time, most vodka was actually produced by tavern owners. Hmm. And then they could sell it directly to their patrons. But by the mid 17th century, the consumption of vodka had gotten so out of hand that a third of the male population was deeply in debt to the taverns and many farmers were too drunk to even cultivate their land. So the state... (laughs) took over and monopolized the sale of the drink to try and keep tavern owners from just being able to perpetually produce it. And also at that same time, the Orthodox Church comes out and obviously are like, this is of the devil. And then they destroyed all the documents that related to Vodka's early history, which also plays into why we can't know for sure where Vodka came from. And so between the church and the government, both working together to try and end Ooh, never a good thing. vodka drinking, people just started making their own fucking vodka at home. And we're like, fuck you. I'm not like, yeah, I'm not doing this. <laughs> so then you have Tsar Alexander Third, who wanted to like help his people, I suppose. And he hired Dmitry Mendeleev. And him and Dimitri decided that by fixing the alcohol content at 40% and basing the amounts of water and alcohol used to make vodka on volume rather than weight would be a good way to police how much alcohol people are actually consuming. But I just thought that was really cool. That is really cool. That there was like a whole huge thing. (laughs) Screw you, we're making it in our bathtubs. Yeah, it's like... (laughs) It's like, you can go get fucked because <laughs> I'm going to drink with or without your permission. And if I have to make it in my bathtub, I will. So, yeah. Is that where the, like, um, the IBU or not, not IBU, alcohol content by volume and stuff started? ABB. ABB. 
Yeah, that is, again, that was the Dimitri Mendeleev, the same guy who made the periodic table. Gotcha. How cool. Yeah. Or I don't know if he actually made the periodic table, but he made the system that classifies everything in the periodic gotcha. table. Blah, 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 blah. Um, okay, let's talk about the plants that go into the production of vodka. Yeah. Well, I say plants. Actually, we're going to talk about potatoes. Because yes. they have a really cool history. I love potatoes. And I think that they're fun to talk about. So we're going to talk about potatoes and not all the other ones because they're more lame than potatoes. I can't wait to hear about potatoes because that's probably my favorite food. I eat a lot of potatoes. All right. Well, I don't know how much you know about potato history, but... It goes deep. Shit's intense. <laughs> shit's intense. Like, literally, you have shit jumping from, like, humble beginnings in South America and, like, Peru, where most of the tubers that potatoes were grown from were poisonous, mm. and you had to mix them with clay to make them edible because it pulled the toxins out, all the way to literally French aristocracy putting potato blooms in their lapels so that people would want to eat potatoes to try and make them seem cool because France was in a massive famine. Potatoes got a rebrand. Potatoes are literally fucking everywhere now. Yeah. They're the fifth most important crop worldwide, which is crazy. Thanks to French fries. One of the most ridiculous monocultures also ever Mm. because people cut and clone essentially instead of seeding Mm. and regrowing. So... It's crazy. It's all, it's all a lot. But one of the reasons it grew, potatoes grew to be so popular is because compared with grains, tubers are inherently more productive. Mm-hmm. They're growing underground, so they're not limited by the head of the plant. It's like if a grain swells, like if the head of the grain swells too large, the whole plant's going to topple. And so like as you're breeding those plants, you have to, Factor that in, oh, whereas yeah, yeah. growing underground, yeah, can you do don't whatever. have to think about that at yeah. all. It can get as big as it fucking wants to. Also, fun fact, tuber is one of my favorite words. <laughs> is it? I love it. It just sounds like what it is, you know, like tuber. It does like... sound like what it is. I will give you that. <laughs> I will give you that. I don't know if I would call it one of my favorite words, but it is It is a good word. Um, another fun fact, in 2008, a Lebanese farmer dug up a potato that weighed nearly 25 pounds. What? What? Larger, well. That's like a dog's weight. the way. same size as my yeah, dog. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like Juno's Literally, weight. the same size as my dog. <laughs> that is a massive fucking potato, guys. Oh, Juno potato. I would hold a Juno potato. <laughs> Many researchers believe that the potato's arrival in northern Europe spelled an end to the famine there, which is really cool. Mm. And of course, there's also corn uh, and another another American crop that played a similar role in Southern Europe. But potatoes were hugely impactful in Northern Europe for ending essentially a series of famines that have been happening for decades. Even beyond that, there's this historian, William H. McNeil, and he argued that the potato is actually what led northern europe to becoming an empire Hmm. and he said to be quoted by feeding rapidly growing populations it permitted a handful of european nations to assert dominion over most of the world between 1750 and 1950 so in other words he's saying that the potato fueled 
the rise of the Western world. Do you think that the potato was so popular there and like so because it was easier to grow in that kind of weather? Is I mean, it definitely is very beneficial in the long run, but it took a long time for commoners to pick up on wanting to grow potatoes because that they viewed it as this very odd, weird thing. Yeah. Potatoes are kind of odd. Kind of all started, or the Johnny Appleseed of the story kind of started in Prussia. Uh, they were hit by a famine in 1744. And then you have King Frederick the Great, who was a potato enthusiast, had to order the peasants to, or peasantry to eat the tubers. Also, at the same time, you have 18th century English people totally not into it. They, yeah. There's literally a campaign slogan against Roman Catholicism called No Potatoes, No po- no Popery. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, that was an election slogan <laughs> in 1765. No potatoes. Okay, but to, to be fair, though, I'm going to put on my business cards potato enthusiast. I'm not mad at you for that because literally I'm also a potato <laughs> enthusiast. <laughs> can add a potato to almost anything. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think it's crazy that there was a election slogan that's no potatoes no potpourri and i kind of want a shirt that says that yeah except i do love potatoes but that's hilarious (laughs) but anyways you have the whole world or at least the peasantry of the whole northern european world is like super against potatoes they hate them they hate them hate everything about them they don't want to plant them they're not into it and then you have antoine augustine parmentier which is the potatoes Johnny Appleseed. Yay! So he was trained as a pharmacist and he served in the army during the Seven Years' War and was captured by the Prussians five times. Dang. And then during his multiple prison stints, all he really got to eat was potatoes. Mm. And then he realized that while it was boring, that diet actually kept him in pretty good health Hmm. through his prison stints. And so then... He ended up pioneering nutritional chemistry after the war ended. Whoa. And he devoted literally the rest of his life to promulgating the potato wow. to the world. Cool. In the 18th century. But the potato had like even in the even in like South America, the potatoes were like a staple dish, but they weren't like really cultivated widely mm-hmm. um, until Europeans decided they liked it after like the like the whole Columbus exchange and like the Columbian exchange which Columbus facilitated. Mm-hmm. I don't even like saying his name because he's a piece of shit. <laughs> but yeah. He does have a he does have his role in history. Ugh. But yeah, he literally went around to like these awesome like high society dinner parties and would do like full on potato dinners where every course was just potatoes Hmm. to try and make the aristocracy take potatoes on so then the commoners would take it on after them and there's even a story that says that tom and thomas jefferson was one of the guests at one of those parties and actually brought french fries to america from one of those dinner parties that parmentier or parmentier uh hosted Hmm. Um, he apparently even persuaded the king and queen of France to wear potato blossoms and planted 40 acres of potatoes at the edge of Paris, knowing that the famished commoners would steal them. Hmm. 
all in hopes to try and get the potato off the ground. Yeah. Which is crazy because as much as I love potatoes now, it's really hard for me to imagine a world where people yeah. were like, Ew, fuck potatoes. those fucking yeah. things, gross. I feel like I, had, I haven't had a meal without potatoes in a long time. <laughs> but uh, essentially, yeah, that's like how potatoes got their start. And then since then, like famines practically disappeared for a long time after potatoes uh, got big. Obviously, that didn't last forever. Now we have some stuff even today that is a danger to potatoes. Well, I liked potatoes before they were cool, so. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you were definitely not alive before they were cool, so that's an inaccurate statement. Fine. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's potatoes. I could go on forever, but I've already done like 30 minutes of talking about Russia and potatoes and vodka. (laughs) <laughs> and I don't know if I actually said anything good at all, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of worried about mine, too. I'm like, oh, these notes are... I was trying to sort through my notes and get them all in one place, and it just... Yeah. Here we go. Maybe we should just have this be our first episode, and we can lie about the whole thing. <laughs> pretend like we just did really bad on this one. Yeah. <laughs> and the rest are great. Well, I, I think we're great. I think that's amazing. You had so many fun facts. And I love a potato. Oh, so I'm going to talk about apples. And I think it's really funny. I was telling my coworker about this episode, and I was like, yeah, potatoes and apples. You know, the two genders. <laughs> <laughs> Tag yourselves, I'm that. apples. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, mostly about cider, but I had some really fun facts about apples too, which I'll go into. But I'm going to start with apples. Obviously, everyone knows what an apple is. It's like pretty much as ubiquitous as a potato at this point. Um, it's got a long, long history. And um Apples are around actually 50 to 65 million years old. Wait, say that one more time. 50 to 65, how many? Million years old. That's pretty intense. Yeah. How crazy. I mean, I definitely would have like not been surprised if you gave me like hundreds of thousands of years, but I am surprised by millions. That, that surprises me. Yeah. All of their ancestors were originally from Kazakhstan. They, they've traced back all of the DNA and it all comes back from this one mountain range in Kazakhstan, all of across Europe and everywhere, which I think is pretty cool. What? Yeah. I mean, I just love, I love how, I didn't, I didn't think there was that much to know about apples, honestly, yeah. and here we it are. It gets pretty cool. Just, I have like pretty much my whole episode is just fun facts. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You can you can redeem mine some. <laughs> so apples are pretty much the opposite of a monoculture. They're called, oh my gosh, here we go. Extreme heterozygosity, which basically means like how when we have offspring, our offspring kind of looks like one of its parents, you know, and it, it looks like it's mm-hmm. part of the family. Whereas with apples, the offspring always, if you, it's if planted by seeds, never looks anything like the parents. And it is 100% genetically new, never before seen every single time. That's how big their DNA is. Wait, what the, what the fuck do you even mean? Yeah, seriously. So basically like, so yeah, if I go out and buy an apple tree mm-hmm. and that apple tree produces apples mm-hmm. and then I get seeds from said apple and plant it again, mm-hmm. the apple tree that grows from that seed 
the fruit will look nothing like its parent fruit. Mm-hmm, exactly. Well, that's fucking, that's crazy. At least on a genetic level, like it might on a visual level, but genetically it'll be completely different. So basically like the only way, like, you know how we have like Golden Delicious and um, Granny Smith and Fuji and all kinds of different apples. Mm -hmm. The way that they do that is actually through grafting. So they'll have to graft part of the old tree onto a new tree to get the same apples. That's that's intense. I did not. That's crazy. Well, well, like, that's crazy to me that every single, I'm not going to get past that. (laughs) <laughs> How do you even classify apples then? I know it's really difficult, but all right. So basically in 2010, 86 global scientists from 20 different institutions spent two years unraveling the Golden Delicious's code. Golden Delishi, the Golden Delishi code. <laughs> I like that. You should go for Golden Delishi. That's good. Um, they picked some that were originally from West Virginia and they sequenced it. And when sequencing the genome, they uncovered 57,000 genes, which is more than twice as many that are in humans. <laughs> My mind is getting blown every time you open your mouth. Yeah, who like, knew geez, apples were so freaking complicated and awesome, right? I was doing this 50, reason. 50,000? Like, yes, 57,000 genes. Oh my God, that's just insane. They were pretty excited about doing all of that. I mean, obviously it took them two years and that's super cool. But um, a lot of that research can lead to creating more new varieties that are resistant to disease. So, yeah, like... Please do that with the agave. <laughs> just saying. We need that. Right. Let's, let's end all these monocultures maybe just a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Apples, I think, are used for a little bit more than agave plants. But <laughs> still, super cool. I mean, I definitely utilize an agave plant more than I do an apple. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> Same. I drink more tequila than I eat apples. I think the last time I had an apple was I made apple pie like a month ago. <laughs> It was really good. Ooh, that sounds good. It though. was really good. <laughs> I, you know, quarantine baking, it's been a thing. <laughs> Everybody's into it. Yeah. I haven't baked anything. Yeah. So all of the oldest orchards are seedling orchards, but once they discovered the grafting, that's how they started replicating them. And around this time, um, a lot of the genetic gambling was furthered by a man named John Chapman, a.k.a. Johnny, ja- John, AKA Johnny Appleseed. Which I had no idea he was a real person. I got to be honest. I thought he was like Paul Bunyan level, just like mythical person, you know? Oh, no. I definitely remember very specifically that he was a real person. He was like one of my favorite like elementary school history things that we learned about. Yeah. Was Johnny Appleseed. Well, anyway, I think I think like a lot of the lore around Johnny Appleseed was that he just like scattered seeds out of his bag, you know? Which is kind of romantic, Mm -hmm. but that's not what he did. Basically, what he would do is go onto people's farms and establish nurseries and like people who would be able to take care of them. And he'd build fences around them to keep livestock out and that sort of thing. So he was just creating all of these apple farms. But he did only use seeds because he didn't believe in grafting. He thought it was considered wicked. So all I'm saying is that I'm a little bit bummed now that I know that he was like not this like nomadic <laughs> yeah <working> right <laughs> bringer of apples into the corners of the sorry earth sorry to burst person. your bubble <laughs> sad day I mean to be fair though it's he smarter thought, he thought that grafting was wicked mm-hmm, yeah which I, was it like a Christian thing I, I think so I didn't really go into that so much it seemed like he was a okay. super Christian dude but I, I could also get it like 
But then again, like grafting saved the grapevines. So I don't know. I'm kind of into grafting. I mean, I don't, what, like what's the, I can't think of a good reason not to be into grafting. I guess it's just like Frankensteining, you know, I guess it's on like more of a moral level than a scientific level. I guess I can understand that. Yeah. So anyways, let's talk about cider. The, um, so I will call it hard cider because we are American, but only Americans use hard cider. Everywhere else in the world, it's just cider. So they don't have like non-alcoholic apple no, cider in other it's places? it's just cider, yeah. Huh, cool. Yeah. Um, so the apples that are used for cider are what people call spitters. Basically, if you take a bite into this apple, it'll be so bitter and tannic that you will immediately spit it out and try to scrape it off your tongue. It doesn't, like, cider doesn't like sugary, sugary apples. I, I kind of want one of those apples to bite into. I know, just now. to I just see. Want, I want that experience. <laughs> yeah. I want to know. Maybe we can go to one of the apple farms and see. The highest per capita consumption is actually in the UK. And I don't know. That's it. That's a fact. <laughs> I just have fact. bullet points. <laughs> like, I don't have stories this week. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry that caught me. I know I looked down for like to have more to say, and I was like, nope, just kidding. That's it. That's the end. Bye, guys. Was it the UK? Shout out UK. Anyways, that was fantastic. I loved that a lot. Oh God. The first cider presses were reworked by the Romans, and they were actually olive presses. So they took these olive presses and made them into cider presses because they wanted to make more cider and they were, you know, crafty. Crafty. We used to make apple cider, not hard apple cider, but like regular American. I don't know. That's weird to me that yeah. that's not a real thing everywhere else. Yeah. We used to make like apple cider every year. Cider. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My grandpa had apple trees scattered around and we'd always take them we had like an old-fashioned like twist crank oh yum i love hot uh, cider apple press and then catch it and then can it every year speaking of i'm kind of ready for fall already i'm gonna need you to get the words any lowered temperatures out of your mouth like no, fall is not <laughs> I, I need you summer don't like it. <laughs> i need i need summer frankie and i don't need you to wish the end of it on me already it i'm sorry just i just love the fall so much how how do you not you're an october baby i love i didn't say i didn't like the fall i just don't like the i feel like fall is the harbinger of winter that's true that is true and i hate winter a lot I do not like being cold. That's fair. And it doesn't even really snow here, which is the fun part of winter. But anyways. I think that I would enjoy winter more if it snowed. Like if it were pretty. Yeah. Instead of just like dead and gray and rainy. Yeah. I think I would enjoy just it. Just wet and cold. More. Yeah, totally. Okay. Where was I? Um, cider apples are actually pretty cool because they're super pest resistant thanks to their super strong DNA. And even if like they get, you know, like the little wormy marks on apples and stuff like that, even if they get mm -hmm. some marks like that, it doesn't matter because they're going to be crushed. So it's pretty safe to make cider because most of your crop is going to still go into making the cider, which is cool. In the early 19th century, like back in Johnny Appleseed days, most everyone in the U.S. at least were drinking a pint or more of cider every day. 
because basically water at that time was really unsafe. It contained cholera, typhoid fever, dysentery, 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 E. coli, all kinds of bad shit. And so people were like, water is not safe. This is a breeding ground for gross. We're just going to drink cider. High key into that. Right. And like, since cider is mildly alcoholic, it means it's inhospitable for all those stuffs. It also had a shelf life and it was safe and pleasant. You could even drink it at breakfast without getting grossed out. I'm into that. (laughs) Breakfast cider. (laughs) I want some breakfast cider right now. Yeah. Uh, It takes 36 cider apples to make one gallon of cider. This seems reasonable. Yeah. Cider apples are super low in sugar. Like I said, they're bitter and tannic. So that means that they're going to have a lower alcohol content, which is about usually four to six percent alcohol. Uh, basically, the yeast eat the sugar up so fast and then die, and then that's as much alcohol as there is. But some brewers will add in a second round of sugar and yeast, and that creates more bubbles and that kind of champagne texture in some ciders. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people, some brewers even add non-fermenting sweetness, such as aspartame. You. Yeah, to um, sweeten up the cider to please the mass markets. But I personally don't like sweet cider. I prefer bitter cider. Yeah, I want. I like the champagne cider. Yeah, I want it to be too. like dry mm-hmm. and crisp and slightly effervescent. Yeah. Um, and this. <laughs> listen to this fun fact. One U.S. pint of cider, in in general, contains five teaspoons of sugar which is almost your daily allowance as an adult for sugar. (laughs) That is insane because I've definitely drank like multiple five plus. I know. Same. It is five to five. It is five to 10 times more sugar than a lager or an ale. And yesterday I was like, why does my head hurt so much? And then I read that and was like, oh, yeah, because I had a couple ciders. That makes sense. Oh, God. That's a lot of sugar, man. Ciders also give me heartburn, so I don't drink them as much as I used to. Yeah. Don't, if you're, if you're younger than me out there listening to this, don't get old. It's a trap. <laughs> it really is. My hangovers are now two days long. It's not fair. What the fuck is I that know. About? It's not fucking fair. I mean, it's. Dude, I used to be able to drink every day and never feel bad ever. And now I drink one too many beers and I'm down and out for 48 hours. And now our livers are like, hey, maybe try some chamomile tea. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) It's time. It's time. It's it's time to put down the booze. (laughs) All right. Now we're going to go somewhere else. We're just going to talk about something else (laughs) because my notes are a mess. And here we go. (laughs) I'm into it. Do you know what? I don't know how to pronounce it. Calvados? 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 I don't think so. I'm not, that's not striking a bell with me. Well, basically. Striking a bell. God. Basically, Calvados is distilled cider, and it's from a region in Norm, it is named after a region in Normandy, but I've never heard of it or tried it, so I just threw that cool. in there. That sounds it cool. cool. There's, add, yeah. add another one. Baijo was the first, and now I have to do Calvados. Calvados, yeah. C-A-L-V-A-D-O-S. Dios. <laughs> I can I, spell. <laughs> I'm about to look that up. C-A-L-A-V-A-D-O-S. Calvados. <laughs> oh, dear. Shout out one more time to The Drunken Botanist by Amy Stewart, one of my favorite books and where I get a lot of my research from. 
Have you heard of Applejack? The like cereal? No, <laughs> liquor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we're not talking about fucking Applejack. <laughs> Um, no. Is that, you said it's a liquor? Yeah, I hadn't either. Apparently it was like really popular back in like colonial times. So I'll tell you a little bit about it, but it lost popularity a lot when more liquors entered the market, which I guess makes sense. It sounds like it was really sweet, but we might have to try it again too. In America, a man named Alexander Laird arrived from Scotland in 1698 and he created the Laird and Company Distillery in New Jersey. Which, fun fact, he was issued license number one in 1780 for liquor license. What the fuck? From what, was it, what state? Did you say? I didn't hear you. New Jersey. He was from New, New Jersey. New Jersey. Fuck yeah. That, cool. Yeah. So he established it in New Jersey, and he started making Applejack for his friends and family, which is basically distilled cider. When he went to go fight under George Washington, um, his family basically started sending Applejack to him for the troops and that sort of thing. And eventually it got up to Washington and Washington freaking loved this stuff. So um, it started being made more and more and more and a lot of it went to Washington and his household. Um, But since then it's gone down in popularity. Like I said, people don't really drink it anymore. I think it's in some fancy cocktails, but I've never had it or heard of it, so. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had that either. Wow, look at all these liqueurs and stuff I've never had. I know. Can't even call myself a fucking bartender (laughs) anymore. What am I? I didn't, I really didn't know that, like, apples went into so many things, but I guess it makes sense. I didn't know that apple's DNA was so insane. Right? I'm never. I'm still not over that. I don't think I'm ever gonna get over that. Well, I have some more fun facts. This is this is for me. So if you hate this next section, that's fine. If all of the listeners hate it, it's fine. It's, this is for me. <laughs> I needed to do this. It's not about you. <laughs> no, I <laughs> hope you enjoy it too because this is my jam, and I hope it's your jam too. But um, I opened up. I have a big library of books on plants because Daniel knows this. But I've been working on a fantasy novel for a long time, and basically the entire magic system is made out of plants so I have a lot of books about the history and mythology and that sort of thing about plants and I was so excited to find out that one of them one of my favorites it's um it's Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs and it had a passage on apples and I was really excited about that it does like the history it does the medicine it does the like mystical uses all kinds of stuff like that so I'm gonna tell you a little bit about the ritualistic uses of apples (laughs) I'm into it. So much into it. I love that you leaned into the mic to say that. (laughs) Let's learn. Yay, I'm glad you're into it because I'm really into it. Okay. So one of the rituals was Nemoralia, which is also called the Festival of Torches. It was a three-day fest by ancient Romans at the Ides of August, which was August 13th through 15th, which, side note, I think we should celebrate. Oh, Um, into it. It was a celebration of Diana, who was the goddess of the hunt. And it was, it had this big elaborate ritualistic meal where in one of the parts, um, apples still on their branches were introduced into part of the meal, which I think is pretty cool. I love that. Also, um, during Suween, Wiccan altars are piled high with apples because apples are the food of the dead. They're also used in divination during Suween, like you peel it and you, um, 
do divination based on the way it peels and the apple peels. Um, it's also used a lot. They make rituals where it's like, this is the early new year's resolutions basically where you would write on a piece of paper, your illnesses, your addictions, everything that was like wrong with you, quote unquote, and you would roll it up and put it in the apple or you would write it directly in the apple. And then you put it together with wooden toothpicks or steaks and then bury it. That's so cool. Yeah. I think we should do that's that. That's so too. cool. We should celebrate Suin this year. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm fucking in. Ides of August and Suin. <clears throat> yeah, we have a whole bunch of Apple holidays to celebrate now. <laughs> Into it. Um, in Celtic mythology, the if it, you had a branch that had buds, flowers, and the branch, and the apples themselves, it symbolized immortality and was basically used as a magical charm to enter the land of the dead and the underworld and the gods. What? Yeah. But it had to have all three existing at the same mm-hmm, time. Exactly. So it was like the branch that's, of immortality. That's dope. Yeah. Into it. In an old English ballad called Thomas the Rhymer, there was a fairy queen and she warned Thomas against eating the apples for to eat the apples and the food of the dead would mean to not be able to return to the living. That is awesome. Yeah, so apparently apples have symbolized like the dead and the food of the dead for this whole time and we didn't even know. Man, that makes me want to eat more apples. Right? Well, so speaking of, you know the saying, an apple a day keeps the doctor away? Mm-hmm. A lot of that comes from apples used to be used to prevent fever. And so people would eat apples really? to prevent fever. Mm-hmm. Don't apple seeds have cyanide in them they too? They do, yes. So you can make poison out of a lot of apple seeds. So I wonder if that's where like the dead and the living came from. I don't know. But I mean, how would they know that? I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm I sure know. early poisoners were into that. <laughs> can you imagine how many it would take? Because you have to have like, because cherry pits are way bigger than apple seeds and it takes like thousands of cherry pits how do you know this to make enough (laughs) listen (laughs) i don't have to tell you anything frankie (laughs) no actually i watched a video earlier today it was weird it was like a guy with a hydraulic press pressing cherry seeds and testing it for cyanide to see how much he could get out of crushed cherry seeds oh that's cool i love that and he like doing it like two at a time like two, just like two cherry pits at a time, it would have taken like thousands of cherry seeds to get enough cyanide to like hurt somebody. Mm. Oh, and then I have my last fact. If you are ever have uh, an aching body part or something wrong with your body, during the waning moon, cut an apple into three pieces, rub your, the affected parts of your body with those three pieces, and then bury them. And apparently it will cure it. Yeah, that's my last fact. Those are apples. So cool. Fuck yeah, apples. Fuck yeah, apples. Fuck yeah, apples. Yeah, apples are great. I had no idea they were so great until I did my research. But I love it. That's so much fun. And now all of you know, too, that apples are the best. Apples are dope. Potatoes are also the best. Yeah. Oh, french fries. Ugh. Are you a sweet or a savory person? I tend to be a savory person. Yeah, me too. I like will choose French fries almost almost anything over almost anything. Mm, I feel like I'm more of like a. I'll pick like cheese over almost anything. Oh, poutine Mm, over everything. I've never had poutine. Whoa! I know. (laughs) 
I know. That's sacrilege. I know. I need to. You can't profess to be a lover of French fries without having had poutine. Maybe I'm just saving it for the older years of my life when I really need some, like when I really need a win, I'll have some poutine. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I've had the worst year of my entire life. I think it's finally time. Yeah. I'm going to go get poutine. Yeah. What? No, listen, it makes sense in my head. I'm in love with it. I I love that you're holding on to poutine as you're like, pick me up from your, in your elder years. I, know, I mean, I know I'm going to love it. I know it. I'm going to love it. But you know, my, I think my favorite way to have potatoes though is potatoes au gratin. Mm. Cream and cheese oh, and so potatoes. Good. Mm. So good. Chef kiss. I'm personally a huge fan of hash browns because I love breakfast and breakfast browns. foods in general. Mm. I can eat. Also, I love drunken foods mm. and I mean, kind of fuck Waffle House now because they donated a bunch of money to Trump and they can get fucked for that. But uh, I used to down some Waffle House at 3 a.m. Smothered, mothered, fathered and sistered. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I love that. Fuck. Anyways, that's our episode. Thank you so much for joining us. We love you guys so much. Please leave us a review. It really helps. Really, really, really helps. I mean it. Uh, thank you. We love you. Visit us on Instagram, Propagated Podcast. Twitter, Propagated Pod. Gmail, Propagated Podcast at gmail.com. And am I missing something? I think that's everything. That's everything. We'd, we'd, lo- we'd love to hear from you guys. So make sure that you actually send us some messages. And we'll, like, we'll help you with your ailing plants yeah. or talk to you more about plant history anything you want to know anything you want to talk yeah send to us, us in about, questions us and know. we'll address them in a mini episode we would love yeah that. we're absolutely super stoked on doing some mini episodes for you guys some Q&A from our listeners for sure yes we love you thank you for joining us Mwah. bye Goodbye.